comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. TV podcast episode number 39 all right 39 steps uh 39 flavors no that's 31 flavors yeah what other famous 39s are there it's only fun when we get to 69 or 187 in 187 <laughs> that's the only fun one the 39 is not much to go with man oh man all, all of the uh, cw shows are back yes all well, this week um mm-hmm. and um all the DCCW shows and and Gotham continues apace with this uh, this latest episode, The Last Laugh. Yeah, I guess in which we we finally get the uh, the answer to the question as to whether Jerome is or is not the Joker, as it were. <laughs> Joining me on, as always through these uh, traipsing through the Wonderland that is DC television. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Jerome Hand's personal uh grease paint applier mr terrell taylor boy my arm's tired now you have to write me better jokes i don't i don't know what what i'm doing i i I hardly ever know either and uh and uh tabitha gallivan's personal leather buffer mr richard sheldon it's a tough job but somebody's got to do it it's a lot of buffing yeah some well buff leather uh guys <laughs> last week the maniacs went crazy killed like half the police force although miraculously you know this episode there's another full police force there you think it would be hard do you think that'd be a hard position to fill man <laughs> Did they, but they gave a number on how many they killed and it looked like that was more they killed more than they said yeah it looked yeah because like didn't didn't gordon when he was giving his little speech say something about like Twelve of our brothers died, or something. Yeah, like that. and I'm thinking funny. there. Were, I thought I'm like twelve, maybe when they came in the door. I'm <laughs> saying I'm like they were going around just shooting people, but like after they had shot people, they were going back and forth just shooting people on the floor when they fell. Like I think more than twelve died. It seemed like there were more than twelve. Look, it seemed like they slaughtered everyone. There. It did. It, who? I, yeah. I mean, I think I even remarked on it last week. Mm-hmm. In my mind, mind, didn't they walk around and at, in at, in the aftermath and anyone moaning or moving, moving got shot finished. again? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that scene with Lee like hiding behind the corpse and uh, mm-hmm. Enigma, you know, taking Kringle behind the desk or whatever. So yeah, I fully expected it to be that whoever survived were the cops that were off that day or or on patrol. That those are the, that's what I fully yeah, that's what I thought would be the ones left. I didn't think there'd be that many cops. Left after all, you know, I thought it'd be like maybe well, three just or the four, ones that are not there. Know? I mean, they're not, and all... we still, still, no Montoya and no, um, no mention, no either. Marcus, you know, no mention, no, none, no, 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 no,
weird. I thought that would be like the open door to bring him back. You know, it's like they need all the cops. Right. After the death of S in the last episode and everything that went down, Gordon and Harvey are going nuts. They're throwing dudes out of windows, uh, trying to find the word on Jerome, trying to track down Jerome. And I'm sorry, Daryl. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying good scene. That's it. Just yeah, it was a good scene. Like you see the one guy fall out, and then you see them interrogate the next guy, and then he falls out the window. It's like an assembly line. Um, we actually, Jerome is uh, is in the lap of luxury at Theo Gallivan's place. Uh, Tabitha is is there, and uh, Tabitha and Barb are very close now. Mm-hmm. Very close. Mm-hmm. Extremely. Very close. very close. Mm-hmm. So, like I say. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Theo congratulates Barb for uh, for you know luring Gordon out of the, the massacre and keeping him alive out of it through all that, and then he promises her that he will be able when he you know does what he's going to do that he will be she will be able to destroy Gordon not just kill him but destroy him body and soul those are his yes. words. Yes, they're not getting anywhere trying to find uh, uh, Jerome on the streets. Uh, Harvey suggested visit Penguin. Gordon is like, no, I don't think so. I don't want to see Penguin right now, uh, mainly because of you know what happened in the earlier episode with him like shooting the guy he was supposed to uh, collect the money from from Penguin. Of course, um, there's a nice scene with him and Lee where Lee talks to him about the cho- the children's hospital benefit, which becomes the big scene of the episode. Um, he makes a I little like jo- she makes a little joke to kind of cut through the tension. And that was that was a good scene. Well, I, li- I like the, the, it was a very adult conversation, what he said to her. Because usually the whole thing of push, what well, we'd get to in the CW, where you push have to push people away when you really don't need to do it the way that you do it. Um, I like how he said to her, I know what you're going to say. It comes from a good place, but just let me be like this right now. Like, just just not right now. And she under- she heard him. She understood. That was it. Mm-hmm. No argument. But she also made like a little joke at the end to kind of you know break the tension a little oh, yeah. bit, which because oh, yeah. you know, she understood, needed, like, yeah, and kind of let the air out of it. And that was cool. Un- it wasn't about her; it was just about you know him dealing with what happened, and that's that was a very nice conversation in TV land because usually in TV land that turns into an argument to get you know to have that little back and forth argument that, and then for them to walk away, and we didn't have to go through that for once. We um, Harvey gets a, a tip about Jerome's father, um, who we saw you know played before. Of course, he was uh, uh, Michael. Mo- uh, oh God, was his last name Monahan? I want to say yeah, it is. It's Michael Monahan. He was in Breaking Bad. He's he was in Constantine, and he also played Jerome's uh, dad, the psychic. Mm-hmm. Uh, better, the one... better an actor. Oh yeah, he's been in a million things. Yeah, um, in Breaking Bad, he was the bell ring guy in the wheelchair, right? Yes. Yeah. But uh, Jerome tells him the story that he probably had forgot about when he was nine years old about how, uh, uh, you know, his his dad had told him, you know, the world doesn't care about you or anyone else. It's better to realize that now when you're nine. Oof, what, a, <laughs> what a Watchmen story, though. Yeah, very yeah, yeah, yeah. Rorschach esque. I thought you know yeah. he's going to incriminate uh, his dad in in his escape. It's part of Theo's plan, and. Uh, as he, you know, as he tells him the story, or whatever Jerome's father makes this kind of uh, uh, prediction because he's psychic or whatever, he tells Jerome that he'll be a curse on Gotham and his legacy will be death and madness, and the children will wake up uh, in their nightmares from you know, thinking of his madness and laughter. And Jerome gets up in his face and goes, "Ha, ha, ha!" 
And uh, just as Jerome is about to do the deed, uh, Gordon and Harvey knock on the door. But they're too late. Jerome has put a kitchen knife through his eye. There's a canister. Harvey opens up a canister of knockout gas. Gordon uh, pulls him out of the apartment and inhales a little himself. They both go down, and Jerome and Tabitha get out. Brutal. Like, I did. Yeah. What time does this show come on again? I don't right. know, man. <laughs> I got to say, for its primetime slot, it's like, wow, they really pushed the envelope. I so, mean, knife, knife to the, the eye. eye. Knife to the yeah. eye. Yeah. yeah, and they stayed on it. The camera stayed on it for a second. Oh yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't shy at all. I did like Tabitha was like digging through the fridge. Yeah. The whole time Jerome is telling his like incredibly messed up story, she's digging through the fridge and she's like, "There's nothing to eat here. Let's get out." They they really pull off a good job of of being bad. Like I, I mean, I guess all of most actors when you ask them who they prefer to play, good guys or bad guys, they usually say bad guys because it's a lot more fun. You can see these actors having a very good time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy that plays Jerome just, uh, he, I, he must have had the most fun on set, I can just yeah. imagine, because he got to live out that, that you know, playing the Joker, but not being the Joker at the same time. And the whole thing, like you were talking about the gas and everything else, there's mm-hmm. so many little pieces that are homage to Joker, but he still made Jerome his own character. So, yeah, I and I really. And, and on uh, he plays such a different character on the um, Showtime show that he does, where he's a uh, he plays he's with a he's in a family, a large family, and they you know they're living check to check, and he's he's going through mental problems. He's you know he's a gay male growing up and dealing with you know uh, who he is and all that kind of stuff. Like so to see him go through that and be very emotional and kind to you know the kids and all that kind of stuff. And now to see him play this character. What show is that? It's amazing. Uh, I can't think of it now. The Shameless? Uh, no? Yes. Shameless. He's Shameless one of the, the William H. Macy? Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's one of those shows that's on my list to someday watch. I just, I don't it's get show time. So. You know, Donnie is always talking about that. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. Very well, now that uh, Hulu has Showtime. You can get it. Oh, and uh, Hulu also has uh, no, as a new subscription where you pay $4 extra a month and no ads. I keep saying I don't need it. I, I could just. Oh, my wife ads. is like, my wife is like, how much is it? <laughs> <laughs> but every time it's I four dollars, she's like, get it. <laughs> my thing with Hulu though is the ads are not that long. No, so they're not. But I still, can but, deal with it. I mean, four dollars. Yeah, four dollars. When you're when you're watching stuff sometimes and you just want to get through it, like I watch stuff at work. You know, like when I have breaks, right. stuff like that. I watched The Flash today on Hulu, and I did not want those commercials. Those commercials at all. I'm like, ah, this is what happens. Yeah, same thing. I had to watch iZombie on Hulu today because for some reason, the my local CW affiliate played the Flash premiere twice instead of iZombie afterwards. That's the so. only one that said that. Yeah, that's weird. Really? Yeah. Well, interesting. Uh, there's a big children's hospital gala a charity event. Bruce and Alfred show up, and Bruce sees Selena there. But she's kind of playing standoffish or whatever, and uh, it turns out that Jerome is actually the, the magician, and Barbara is his coming. assistant. Yeah, kind of saw it coming. <laughs> yeah. they, well, they keep dropping the hints all through the episode, you know, oh, I hate magicians, or I like mm-hmm. magicians, or whatever, you know, there's going to be a magician. It's like, oh, yeah, that's obviously what's going to happen. Uh, Theo Gallivan mingles with Harrison Kane, the um, uh, deputy mayor, who's kind of taken over since the, you know, the mayor, uh, uh, played by Richard Kind, left. Uh, Tabitha gets a, a share some way too personal information about her brother. 
Yes. <laughs> that was so inappropriate. <laughs> um, Alfred hits on Lee. But, um... No, he don't hit on Lee. He's, he's like, so smooth with it. Like, he... Uh, he's he, like, well, I know the like, chef at, uh, you know, La, La Champs-Élysées or whatever the name of the restaurant was. And she's like, I've been trying to eat there for years. You know, he's you like, notice how she's trying to turn him down, but then... But then, yeah. Slowly. He's, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a great scene. He's like, well, we haven't been together that long. I mean... Maybe we should see other people. Like she had a look on her face. She really was. And she might have, might have, you know, thought about it. Might have gone with it. Might have thought about it. You know what those Euro- European accents do to women? Makes them weak in the knees. I almost went out with him. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? My bad. Nothing wrong with that. He's a good-looking, mature dude. I mean, you know. oh, and he's it's smooth. He's There's smooth. He's that. very smooth. Uh, we, um, they, uh, Jerome, aka and uh, his guy says the great Rodolfo, yeah. um, has Bruce come up for a trick, and it's you know sawing the, the person in half or whatever, and of course there's a lot of tension, but nothing really happens. Uh, Bruce makes it through unscathed, uh, but then Lee recognizes Barbara behind her man. Barbara kind of gives Lee a wink. And she realizes that um, that's Barbara, and then is immediately knocked out. Um, as soon as that happens, uh, Alfred kicks into military mode to protect Bruce. As soon as Jerome reveals himself by killing the deputy mayor brutally with a knife to the throat. Another one off the list. Yeah. Well, it's also like another another incredibly brutal murder on a primetime yeah. show, eight mm-hmm. o'clock primetime show. You know, Gordon Gordon gives the call. He, you know, mobilizes what guys are there, but they won't go in. So Gordon's like, okay, I'll have to go in alone. Which I was just like, what? <laughs> There's a homicidal maniac full of, like, Gotham's best and brightest in that room. Yeah. You know, holding them all hostage. You're going to go in by yourself. All by yourself. Well, the thing that got me is the cops said, we're not going in there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like, oh, my, my men aren't going to go in there after what happened, you know, at the right. precinct the other day. Forget that, man. And I'm like, what? I know. I said the same thing. I was like, they really let him go in alone. Wow. You gotta be kidding me. I can't see cops doing that. No. Well, they're probably putting in their transfer to um, Starling City. Right, because it's so much safer there, as we'll talk about later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, While Gordon is is mobilizing, uh, uh, Jerome talks to Gordon and taunts him over the video camera. That is uh, recording everything uh, live on live TV, pretty much. And he says he wants $47 million and a helicopter and a pony mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. And if Gordon doesn't come through with all that stuff in 10 minutes, they'll start killing people, including Lee, who is now strapped to the knife wheel. Right. Um, then Theo Gallivan stands up and gives the most ham-handed, stagey speech ever <laughs> about how they've had enough. Well, even before that, the little part with it, which was a little eye rolling though, with with Bruce when he was uh, Alfred had had him hidden behind the uh, the curtains, and he, you know, Jerome was trying to call out for Bruce, saying he's going to kill Alfred if he doesn't come out. No, he was going to kill someone else. Or was it Alfred? I think it was Alfred. If it was he doesn't Alfred. come out, I think that's and, a little bit later. That's I, I after thought Gordon that was before. Because he, he's able to get the gun from Gordon to pass to Alfred, remember? It's like a little bit after this. Because um, oh. Selena helps him escape. Helps right, Bruce okay. Escape. okay that's but right. then like, he, Bruce is like, I have to go back and save Alfred. You're right, you're right. There's no way. And then 
Gordon sees Selena coming out and, and sees that there's a way in and uh, confronts her. And, you know, Jerome, of course, is having fun with, you know, doing the, uh, the William Tell action, apples off people's heads and stuff like that. Uh, this is when Jerome decides his first victim will be Bruce, um, right after the kid came back to, to rescue Alfred. Um, Gordon has made it in, he sees Bruce, and Bruce is like, look, I, I can't let Alfred die, I have to step up. And he does, and as he steps up to save Alfred, um, you know, he tells Alfred, there's a gun in, it, in my jacket, grab it, and Gordon is right behind you in the curtains. And between the two of them, Gordon and Alfred take out the armed lackeys. They can't get a clear shot on Jerome, though, and they, he, Jerome has a knife to Bruce's throat. Uh, theory, uh, Theo then wakes up and just stabs Jerome right in the neck. Again, yes. another brutal stabbing to yeah. the head or neck. <laughs> time show. Well, even Jerome, worse. Jerome looks shocked more than anything else. Yeah, he watches the blood just, yeah, you know, kind of, kind of drained from him. And Jerome's making that Joker face, of course. Mm-hmm. And Theo's like, I'm sorry about the change in plan. And he really did, you know, admire his potential. But uh, So all the people outraged that this is going to be the Joker and, you know, all the Facebook <laughs> outrage and Twitter outrage and stuff. He's yeah. not the Joker. Well, and, and I don't know, you may have been planning on covering this in news or something, Jim, but I, this is a good place to bring it up, is I, I, I read some snippets this week about um, they're, they're tossing around that the Joker is more of an idea than one individual. Well, I yeah, think the ending of this episode, it kind of says that it's, you know, more right. explicitly than explicitly. We'll, we'll, right. So yeah. right. But that was in the articles. That was in the articles before this episode even aired. I remember right. reading that, and that's why I was saying when oh. we recorded the last show, I don't think that they were ever going to say anyone is the Joker. Because yeah. I saw with... something this week about them. They're kicking around the idea of maybe having Barbara be a female Joker or just the idea of a female Joker, which I don't really want it to Well, there's be also that scene about to come up where she, where Barbara says that she kind of admired Jerome's style. You know, so right. They leave. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, Theo, uh, after doing this, uh, you know, shakes a bunch of hands and glad hands and, and, you know, is the hero of the day. Him and, you know, he shakes hands with Gordon and Alfred and Bruce. They all offer their thanks for his bravery or whatever. Super cheesy. And then we see him later with Barbara at his apartment. And, uh, you know, clearly, you know, this is part of his real master plan. And Tabitha looks a little jealous. Not a little jealous. Oh, uh, Theo lot, and and Barb. So <laughs> it looked like they're good. That might be the the, the uh, Achilles' heel for them. But this is when. Uh, but this is when Barbara says that she kind of admired Jerome's style. Mm-hmm. So maybe that would play out into something. You know, Barbara like a female Joker type deal. It probably will. And then there's the whole montage at the end of this episode, where Jerome. Uh, you know, you hear the voiceover of Jerome's father saying he'll be a curse upon Gotham, and you see people laughing. And we see a little kid, like, creepily yeah. laughing. You see, like, a couple of dudes who go and, like, stab a homeless dude. And then mm-hmm. one of them stabs, the, you know, the other. And they're just laughing the whole time. So it's like, uh, you know, it is like this you know, last laugh curse um, on Gotham. Most so. definitely. And that's how the episode ends. The last laugh, episode three, season yeah. two of Gotham. Uh, what did you guys think on our five-point scale? It was, I, I thought it was cool. It, it maintained... The same, uh, I think it maintained the the level of last show from last week, which was was a step up, I think, from the first episode of this season. 
So I think it's been maintaining like so far. This is this is how it should be. I think it's uh, it's got some campiness. The campiness, of course, was the way that uh, that uh, when he jumped on stage, the way that he acted, you know, as the hero. It has some campy, but it had more dark in it that I like. Like I really, I really enjoy that. And the villain moments were great. Um, and some of the banter with with Gordon and and uh, and uh, what's her name? Because I can't remember anything because I'm old. His girlfriend, Tompkins. Tompkins w- was great too. I think that that was spot on. One uh, scene I did forget to mention that wasn't in the recap. Mm-hmm. That I just remember, just going over the, the episode in my mind, was the episode where the part where Bullock goes to visit the penguin and oh. calls him the little umbrella oh, yeah. boy and mm-hmm. intimidates him uh-huh. and tells him, you know, I'd hate, you know, if, you know, Jim Gordon, you know, owed you a favor, then you know, you coming after him, you're coming after me too, and you better come heavy because I still owe you for fish. You know, mm-hmm. he's, oh. he's always going to be that little umbrella boy. He kind of threatens right. him, and all the guys pull guns on him. He leaves, and then the you know, the penguin throws his glass against the wall. Made me think of the uh, Goodfellas shoeshine box scene. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, I kind of love that. Yeah, just that verbal intimidation, definitely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is in the recap we used to go over this, and I just remembered that scene, so I don't want to throw it in. Sorry about that. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I give, yeah, it, a, I... I give it a four. I thought it was a good episode. It was. A, I like this Rise of the Villains thing. I like Galavan, even though it's just now that they've got this mix of like this this you know hard hard dark violence and like mm-hmm. campy aesthetic, it's kind of working for them a little better than the first season did. I think so. Yeah. Far. yeah. So I'm I'm going along with the ride. I'll give it a four. Yeah, um, I think it's been three solid episodes in a row. I see more of a better better story arc developing than we had last season where it was kind of all over the map um i really enjoyed this episode i kind of was sad to see jerome go i don't know why there was so much jerome hate on the internet i liked him um well i don't even think that if reading the comments where i've read a bunch of the comments it wasn't so much the jerome hate it was just that again we go through the i want to see batman Right, right. And right. I want to see, I want it to happen just like it happens in the books. And if you do anything out of order, I don't like it. And that was a lot of yeah. the comments that you Because guys. you have no imagination and you just want the same story over and over. That well, this will never know be that. I think, I think it was yeah. more, of a, more of a fanboy thing of, you know, is he or isn't he the Joker? Right. right. And if he is okay. the Joker, then he's too early in the timeline. If he isn't the Joker, well, then why is he so jokery? And there and I think that's people, where the crux of the argument began. Whereas I'm looking at it, you know, hey, here's a good way for the writers to have the Joker in this series without having the Joker in the series. Exactly. They can do everything with this character they would have done with the Joker in the show and, you know, have their cake and eat it too. So God bless them they're able to do that. So that's how I feel about it. And it worked out great in the story, I thought. So. Right. But, it's kind of but sad overall, to see it go, you know. I, I thought I liked the character. Overall, I give the episode a solid B. I'm kind of going away from the numbering system, so I have more flexibility. And uh, yeah, uh, on a grade scale, B, solid B. Okay. We have a lot of comments in the Facebook group about it too. Um, uh, it, we have a, a Facebook group, the DC TV podcast uh, Facebook group. We're 165 strong. We have a, a lot of news going up there, a lot of discussion about the shows. Uh, and also, we, that's the first place you can get the podcast uh, anywhere uh, before it posts anywhere else. 
So DCTV Podcast Facebook group, please join us and, and join the commentary and join in the uh, discussion. Um, Jason Ritter had one word review of the Gotham episode, Betrayal. No doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did not see them killing off uh, Jerome that quickly. Uh, Galavan doing that. I yeah. just didn't see it at all. I thought he would die this season, but I didn't. And you said it, too, with, did last season. I mean, last episode we were talking about it. He'll probably die. He'll probably get murdered, but I didn't see it coming this soon. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I, uh, I, artist Mikey Wood, I'm both perturbed and fine with it. I thought the kid was really good leading the way he was leading at the same time. I thought it was ballsy what they did. Fun. I really do enjoy the series. I feel like I figured out what it wants to be after an off-time schizophrenic first season. Agreed. Uh, John Davis, Gallivan is a great villain, but a hammy actor. Good episode, and Alfred almost got them drawers. <laughs> Love that ending. <laughs> Creepy as hell. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, know, you can't blame a guy for trying, man. Oh, I love that whole comment of when he said, you, you knew the whole time, did you? Yeah. You were... <laughs> and what was funny is she, he was like, uh, uh, Lee, kiss me. Uh, kiss me. And she had that look on her face like, I don't know. He did get me that restaurant. He did get me, he almost got me. You're blowing, you're blowing my chance to go to that French restaurant there. Girl. Yeah, I don't kiss know if I want to do that. <laughs> Pretty good scene. Uh, Joseph Gaines, um, among my um, favorite Gotham episodes, going to miss that actor. I'm really interested in hearing the DCTV guy's opinion about that last scene montage. I personally felt confused, but they did the job of leaving me wanting more. Uh, by the way, the whip handle was being held. I didn't think those ladies were using it the proper way. All right, first of all, you were looking at the whip handle? Because I totally, during that scene, was not looking at any whip handles whatsoever. I got distracted. I was looking at other things in that scene. But, you know, whatever, man. Uh, The the last scene, I thought it was a cool way to tie it into the Joker mythos. You know, I just thought it was... uh, Yeah. You know, I I liked it. It was cinematic, I think. Yeah, it was done. It made me kind of think, and I'm trying to remember which... Batman storyline in the comic it was from which run it was on but where we had the gang of jokers in Gotham Batman Beyond has that that's what I was about to say yeah but there, I think it was one in in early in Scott Snyder's run maybe that there was a whole thing he ended up with a gang of Batmans and a gang of jokers I don't know Oh, it, you might be talking about uh, that wasn't Snyder's that was uh, I think that was Tony Daniels run of Detective Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, they broke I, them out of prison, and there were like a bunch of uh, uh, Joker wannabes. So I was thinking that maybe they're doing some sort of cross pollination of uh, that, along with you know the whole Joker and the '89 Batman of the the brand X and this why not smile kind of thing, and ma- making it that whoever is currently the idea of the Joker is going to pass it on through his laugh or smile or whatever. That's my theory. Okay. Okay. Uh, James Conner, Alfred, quote, steal your girl Pennyworth is down with OPP. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so, man. Uh, Jason Foss, this is the show I was hoping to get last year. Uh, This season has been awesome so far, and it's working its way back to the front of my must-watch list. And uh, Amy Tommaso, I'm still on last season, but I'm seeing a lot of hate. I effing love it. Mm-hmm. And she did not say effing, but this is a non-explicit podcast on the iTunes, so there you go. She said freaking? Right. Fosbindering. That's what she said. 
What does Michael Fassbender have to do with it? Uh, you'd have to ask her. Oh. Guys, enough of all this folder all. Let's get to let's get to the main events, our, our our season premieres for the for the evening. First of all, season two, episode one of The Flash. Yes. The man who saved yes. Central City finally after all this time. And the opening scene of this really kind of faked me out. The very totally opening scene, it had him and Firestorm mm-hmm. teaming up against Captain Cold and Heatwave. And everybody was happy and all teamed up, and it was really kind of cool. What did you think it was? Because I thought it was an alternate Earth that he. It, I think it, it was either an alternate Earth or, or like either that or the ideal in Barry's mind of what it could have been like. You know I thought I mean? he was. Yeah, I, I just assumed he was still flying around in the vortex, and, and that was one of the worlds that he saw, one of the versions. Yeah, I wasn't sure. What well, and that's possible because it was in a dream, right? So, and I thought it was a dream sequence all along, but not at first. I mean, they definitely got me. It's when um, uh, she was referred to as Miss Raymond, Mrs. Raymond, or whatever. I was like, wait a minute, did we miss a whole wedding? No, they got well, married. They did at the get married. Did they get married? Yeah, yeah. They got married. That's right. I need to go back and watch the season finale again. Yeah, I did before I watched this actually. By the way, everyone, the um, all of season one of The Flash, all of season one of iZombie, and all of season three of Arrow are now available on Netflix. Show is. So if you want to go back and check out any of those old episodes, like I did, I watched the, the last few episodes of season one of The Flash and of iZombie and of Arrow before the premieres came out, you can do so at your convenience on Netflix streaming. I know. It is awesome. They just went up, I think, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So uh, six months ago, six months have passed since the wormhole, and after the opening uh, of Barry, you know, teaming up with Ronnie to take out um, Captain Cold and all this, and it ends up being uh, just a, a dream sequence. We find out that Barry is still running around saving Central City, but he's doing it all by himself. Um, Star Labs is empty; he's the only one there, uh, answering distress calls, and he's been doing this all because of what happened during the you know, during the singularity goes to a police case early in the episode, and it's kind of strange, but not really strange, a, a nuclear plant welder named Al Rothstein, which would tip everyone in the audience off who read, um, you know, JSA mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh, or All-Star Comics or whatever, uh, was strangled by someone strong and large. And Joe immediately asks if it's Grodd. And Joe seems really scared that it's Grodd, too. Does oh, he's he? petrified. Like, he says, you know, and, 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 and you know, um, uh, Barry's like, it, it, relax, it's not Grodd. Joe's like, oh. he must still have PTSD from when Grodd like, uh, kidnapped him and stuff, you know? It's such oh, yeah. a human response, though. Such a natural human response for him to have that fear. He He's, he's a good actor, so he knows how to play yeah. it. Plus, you're reminding the audience that Grodd's still out there. Yeah. Even the years have gone by, you know, Grodd is still at large. You know, They have not caught him or whatever, so that's a good which, feeling. Which makes me happy, because I want to see more Grodd. Don't we all? The guy's been killed by someone who's really big and strong, and you know, but but not Grodd. So they're not sure. And after the um, after the illusion of the opening, where everyone is alive and happy, and Harrison Wells is there and 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 good, and Eddie is still alive and all that stuff. You know, this is a, a little bit of a darker Barry. You know, there's this whole thing going on where they want to have Flash Day mm-hmm. in Central City, but Barry doesn't want to be a part of it because he doesn't feel like he was the hero that day. Right. He felt like Eddie and Robbie. Uh, yeah. Um, and we find out why because we get a um, we get a flashback of Barry 
uh, running up into the singularity as he did at the end of the of, uh, season one. And, you know, starting, he's able to start the spin backwards on the singularity, but they have to meld the uh, both sides of the event horizon of the singularity. And the only one who can do that is Firestorm. So Ronnie and Dr. Stein know what have to be done. They, they, you know, they join forces as Firestorm. They fly into the singularity. The force of their separation is what causes the, the event horizon to close. And Flash is only able to save Dr. Stein in the resulting explosion. Ronnie is nowhere, well, kinda, to, nowhere to be found and presumed dead. I kind of saw that coming. I mean, that was, that was kind of a... Yeah, Raymond. Yeah, when they got married in the in the season finale last episode, I kind of saw it coming then. I hope he's not gone for good. And I don't think he is. I'm I'm wondering. If, I'm wondering if him and Jay Garrett traded places. Yeah. And and Ronnie's in the other universe, and he's in Earth too. That could be. But it was because of Roddy's uh, sacrifice and Eddie's sacrifice that. Barry made the decision that he couldn't let anyone else be in harm's way but him, and that's why he's been working alone out of an empty Star Labs, which, oddly enough, was left to him by Harrison Wells. Yeah. A.K.A. Eobon Thawne. Yep. You know, left him Star Labs in his will. So, um, Caitlin has moved on and is working at Mercury Labs uh, that we saw last uh, you know, season, of course, uh, where Tina McGee is. And uh, Cisco is now uh, full time working with the um, Central City Police Department, Good helping stuff. them in their new metahuman squad, um, metahuman yeah. task force, mm-hmm. uh, including creating something called the Boot, which uh, supposedly you know will incapacitate a metahuman. Right. Uh, but he's he's boot. but he's he's working with Joe a lot, and uh, you know Joe. And I guess their ongoing joke is that no Cisco, you don't get a badge. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love the, the relate the different relationships with the different characters, and him and Joe work well. Like they, you always get a good little little chuckle or, uh, when they're. Uh... Another good pairing is Cisco and uh, and Doctor Stein. Yeah, that's like when they when when Doctor Stein does the naming thing for Adam Smasher this time, yeah. Cisco yeah. is just like I'm very impressed. <laughs> they're having the big flash day ceremony, and and Barry isn't doesn't want to come. He even gets a heart to heart from uh, Iris. It turns out Barry has been uh, sneaking into the businesses that were hurt by the singularity and repairing. Love that. I love painting. That. You know, in the at night, you know, uh, when he's not working, which I thought was that was super cool. That was a nice little character touch, like something he would do. You know, they're having the giant flash day ceremony, and everyone is there. And uh, Caitlin shows up, and Cisco sees her across the you know the, the way and waves or whatever. But um, they're not sure whether Barry's going to show up or not. And finally, he does show up. And the mayor gives him the key to the city. He really doesn't, Barry doesn't really say anything, though. I was really, at that point, I thought he was going to take the mic and, and tell them that the real heroes were Ronnie Raymond. And That's, that's what, what I was thought. Like, I... like those, are, those are the guys who should be up there and not me. You know, if he just give, you know, I thought he was going to throw credit at them. Well, it's funny because I, I was ready for one of those uh, kind of speeches that make you feel, you know, kind of make you tear up a little bit. But when you think about it, the Flash does that every episode they have at least one or two scenes where they're very you know like they have a very good emotional scene so i can forgive this show for not doing that this one time yeah like you posted flash really brings out the feels it does it is a couple there were two scenes in a row oh 
with uh, with Joe. Like oh, Joe yeah. with oh, Barry as a boy and then Joe with Barry as a man. Oh man. one right after the other, which is like double whammy of feels in this episode. And if, oh, I just Well I just we'll get there. Um, while Barry's talking to the mayor, they see something flying through the air at them, and it's a hot dog cart that someone has thrown. Try to kill the mayor. Um, we uh, we see that it's uh, Adam Smasher, kind of almost like a Bane version of Adam Smasher, Smasher. And Cisco tries to use the boot on him, but that doesn't quite work. He just grows out of it. Um, but Cisco also has like a weird flash, mm-hmm. um, like one of those weird like uh, like a flash that he had when he was hypnotized before. Remember right. when? Uh, when Neo Barthon yeah. told, told him he could see the vibrations between worlds. Um, so that was an interesting callback to that. Uh, Joe and, and Barry fend him off with a couple of prote- uh, propane explosions. Yeah, right. um, and It blows off his mask, and it's Al Rothstein, the, the dead welder they found earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm, weird. Uh, Barry has a Very jacket, weird. leg, a thing in his leg, and he, so he can't follow Rothstein, and Rothstein escapes. Um, Cisco checks. Rostin's body, body was in the morgue all night, so it wasn't him. And Rostin wasn't even in town when the Star Labs explosion happened. He was in Hawaii. So, um, you know, Barry barely made it, you know, through this uh, encounter with uh, with Adam Smasher, and Joe's like telling him, "No, you're not going to do this by yourself." But Barry insists that he can't put anyone else in danger. Um, Cisco enlists Caitlin's help. He explains that everywhere around this guy, um. The, all the radiation, like from X-ray machines and everything else, had been just sucked dry, and that is where he's getting his power. He's like uh, he's feeding off radioactivity to 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 grow and retain his superpowers. Um, so this is where Stein gives him the name Adam Smasher, and he gets a hug from Cisco. <laughs> the silent hug. Was a great moment. Great moment. Yeah. Then he nerded out, and he went through the why he would name him Adam Smasher, and just. On cue, it just was a perfect. Uh, yep. Just turned around and just hugged him. Just like you, you, you man, you. I love you so much. Uh, Barry Barry shows up at Star Labs. The team is there, figuring out, trying to figure out how to deal with Adam Smasher. But Barry's like, "Thanks, I don't need your help." And he leaves his communication gear behind when he goes to yeah. front Adam Smasher. That was a little like that's so unlike. Like you know, this is gonna be you're gonna be back with your group in a minute. Yeah, kind of thing. I know it was it was kind of inevitable. You know, I'm glad they didn't draw it out it more was, than one episode, though. You know what I it mean? It was like you you watched too many episodes of Arrow last season. You need to not do yeah. that. I can't, <laughs> I can't put you, you in danger. To, yeah, you don't have to go through that with this. It's okay. You, you can do it differently. He finds Adam Smasher like sniffing, huffing uh, <laughs> toxic waste right out of the canister, yeah. which I thought was pretty <laughs> hilarious. He's like, ah. And uh, pretty much gets his crap beat out of him. Uh, oh, yeah. By the th- uh, quick thinking yeah. of Dr. Stein and Cisco, they're able to hook into the surveillance cameras and see it going on. And then they set off the alarms through the building, which caused Adam Smasher to take off. And, and Barry gets his chance to escape, bloody and beaten and bruised, and passes out. And this is where we get the first feels. Uh-huh. Uh, flashback of uh, Joe teaching Barry the importance of allowing himself to feel. Uh, not just being angry all the time or dealing with his emotions rather than bearing him, like in the wake of his parents' death. And when he wakes up from his uh, his uh, you know flashback, uh, Joe is there by his bedside, and uh, Joe's like, "Look, you you know you made choices that day. We all made choices that day. 
you can't take all the blame and all the credit for what happened. Blame, you know, hog all the blame and regret. Live with it and move on. Right. Another, another, another great full of feels episode. You oh, know, full yeah. of feels uh, scene with Joe and Barry. Just really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And Joe suggested, you know, not only she does he need to rebuild the city, but he needs to rebuild his, his life and his, his friendships. Well, it just was a nice, uh, nice little scene that you know he's not Oliver. Like it was a, it was a. You know, it was a nice little scene of he had a father. He had a father figure. So his father was able to say to him, look, you know, like, you, you can't do this. Cut the, you know, like, he basically told him, just cut this crap out. You don't need to do this. Like, just, just come back to the world. Be with your friends. Stop, you know, stop uh, right. wallowing in, in this because this is not what we do. And, he, you know, the, point, the points he makes about how, you know, he wasn't the only one who made choices that day. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't the only one who's partially to blame, and he doesn't let him off the hook for it. He's like, nope. he's like, nope. you know what? You messed up. Okay. But you know what? You did you did better than, than you might have. You know what I mean? You give right. yourself credit for that, and you need to let go of this blame for what you did. So, um, After his talk, after his heart-to-heart with Joe, he decides to talk to Caitlin. And he apologizes for Ronnie's death, but Caitlin says that she doesn't blame him at all. If anything, she blames herself yeah. because she tried to get Ronnie to run away with him, her... Uh, or Ronnie tried to get uh, her to run away with him, I'm sorry, um, away from Star Labs and just uh, you know, go live a normal life, and she told him no. She turned him down, and that put him on the path to becoming Firestorm and everything. So she blames herself rather than Barry. Um, I kind of wish he had said to him, to her that the way that Raymond was, he's such a hero that even if he had left, if he had these abilities, he still would have came back. Like, there's no way he would have not tried to help. Earlier in the episode, a lawyer showed up uh, with a, a video on a, a flash drive for uh, for Barry that was part of Harrison Wells' will. And if he watches the video, then uh, Star Labs does not go into receivership and it stays in his his name or whatever. The inheritance is at risk unless he watches the message. And uh, he, tells, you know, he drops it accidentally and he tells Caitlin what it is. And then uh, Caitlin's like, well, let's watch it together. We can face whatever it is together. I I am so distrustful of Wells that I kept thinking, oh Lord, there's a virus or something in it, where when he looks at it, it's going to activate some doomsday device and it's going to blow up the lab or something. Like I just I just couldn't help but think that. When he first got it, I'm, and he throws it away and doesn't want to look at it. I'm like, oh come on, I want to see what's on it. I know, <laughs> but I'm glad they they you know didn't hang on to that for more. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't a trap either. Right, it could have easily been. Well, and I have a question on this, and maybe I'm just thinking on it too hard, but if Wells' goal was to do away with Barry at some point, and he obviously was planning things towards the end of last season, why would he take the time to will something to Barry and make this flash drive if he was expecting to win? He tells Barry before he makes the confession that he knows Barry will never be happy. Well, yeah. You know, he knows that from from history. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter to him that he's going to okay. do all these I mean, things. I mean, he knows that. That makes sense. I'm just know, saying, why make this video if you're expecting to, Barry to not be around anymore because you're planning on killing him? You know what well, I'm saying? When he makes the video, he says, you know, if, if you know, you're watching this and the worst has happened, I've wasted 15 years of my life trying to get back home. 
Yeah. And then he, he tells, you know, Barry that, you know, he's never going to be happy. He's never, you know, he never will live a life of peace or whatever. And he went, he's going to, because of that, he's going to give him what Barry wants. And what Barry wants, of course, right. is for Wells to uh, confess to his mother's murder. And he does. Yeah. Yeah. To great detail, to the point where only the killer would know, like the yeah. the knife in the left drawer of the the didn't the see that right coming. I did not see that coming either. Me neither. Nope. Um, Joe works with the DNA or with the DA, passes the video along, and is able to secure Henry Allen's release from prison. So you know, any minute now, Doctor Henry Allen will be released from prison. But there's one more problem to deal with: the Adam Smasher. Um. Caitlin figures out, you know, suggesting giving him exactly what he's looking for, just a whole lot of it, kind of overload his system. So they they uh, they summon the Adam Smasher using a flash signal. Yeah. <laughs> little joke. Or maybe they there. should call it the flashlight. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Oh, I see what uh-huh. you did there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's just like the bad signal, only the flash show um, uh, logo is on it. And, uh, you know, one of them is like, Cisco, that was a great idea to use the spotlight. Where did you come up with that? And he goes, oh, I think I read it in a comic book somewhere. Yeah, you played it all very well. So I like does that mean there are Batman, Batman comic books in this version of the DCU? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, the, that lures Adam Smasher out, and uh, he leads him to a nuclear facility where uh, Barry is able to, to uh, trap him in a room that they flood with radiation. It's too much for Rusty to take and almost kills him. Uh, on the edge of death, Barry asked him, you know, who, you know, why, why, you know, did you try to come kill me? And he said, because he was promised that he would be allowed to go home. And who made such a promise? He just says, Zoom. Dun, dun, dun. Zoom. Very ominous, very ominous indeed. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The only thing that the one problem about the special effects on the Flash is usually really good, especially uh, the first season of, of the show. Which you usually have the growing pains and how do you show uh, those special effects on TV with the budget that you have to be under? There is always a uh, you know there is always a problem when you have to show someone growing in size when they change sizes, and that's the only thing that really throws me. Yeah, when they do this, I like that's the only bad thing about when they do certain certain things when they show people grow and shrink. It always has that look. It, there's, there's nothing you can do about it right now. Yeah. They just don't have that. And it's that. not just it's not just TV either. Because no, I was even thinking, in movies. Yeah, because I was thinking about the scene in in the Harry Potter movie when Lupin changes into the werewolf. It's almost mm-hmm. the exact same thing. The the extending of the limbs and them going right. all goofy. Yeah. But I mean, that that one thing I can look past, con- considering all the awesome effects that they yeah. do on the and show. So. My comic book eye just, just this little nagging thing is that I wish that Adam Smasher wasn't a bad guy. Like, it's just that it, but that's only my issue because of reading the comics. Like, uh, most people would have no idea. You know, they just know of him because they they probably read that they're right. just a comic book based character, but no one would know. I mean, he was fine as a villain or whatever he was. He had a motivation. Eventually, you know what it, what it is. But it did. It did kind of. The only thing kind of irked me was that. Damn, I wish he was not a bad guy. Yeah, I wish he was just misunderstood. Right, right. Like the original, or like yeah, the other like special the book. You know, mm-hmm. um, we see a reunion party for Henry. Oh, uh, so- the, his his dad uh, Barry picks him up at the um, 
at, at, at the uh, the prison, and uh, he goes, "Let's go to the, I'll race you to the car." <laughs> and uh, and Barry's like, "You lose," you know. They go and they're having a um uh, a nice party for, for the Henry. music. They know how to pick the right music for for yep. yeah. They don't do it a lot, but when they do, they know how to do it. And uh, Stein uh, gives a really great uh, toast, mm-hmm. uh, uh, urging everyone with the Hebrew word Kadima, which means forward. I so like they all that. say forward. And then uh, Barry and Henry have a touching scene where Henry says he has to go. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's he's worried he's going to like uh, hold back Barry's potential to be the Flash. It doesn't, you know, that he doesn't, you know, need to be his son. He needs to, you know, go out and be a hero and be become his own man. That feels like the forced TV thing to do. Yeah, but yeah. the way but the way they did it, they're definitely going to bring him back. You know what I mean? You know it, yeah. Oh, you know I just he hope he's not back. gone too long. But, I, I mean, the whole thing, and I get where he was coming from, but there couldn't be some way you could still be in his life. You've been separated from him since he was, what, seven, eight years old? This is the only thing that made me go, this is that forced thing where they can't have the, I guess they don't, know if they're going to be able to have the actor on for, but for so many times this this yeah. is, although i think i wouldn't think john wesley ship would be you know so booked that he couldn't you know he would turn down a tv show well they do that tv thing sometimes where they do or mostly they do with relationships but at times you know when they're in romantic relationships but other times they do it with family like they like a brother or something gets together and then they they reconcile but for no reason they have this thing where they have to make up this this whole scenario where i have to go away because that's best for us when it's really not like he could plenty of us live in the same uh state as our parents and the world keeps turning and we do what we do it's not like you can't you know handle it like you it's not like you can't see your dad, you know, after your, when you're downtime and, and, and he can help you or be there for you, or just, you can just chat with him or whatever. It's just the thing. It's not, this, it just felt like this was so forced to have it that he had to leave. Right. Like or this. at least if you're going to leave, stay the weekend. Because if he up. had, <laughs> what I thought, like if, if he really, if they really want to, they're so, stuck on having to have it that he leaves town what i really wished they had done instead is have it that his father says i've had a long time you know to deal i've never really mourned your mother and there are uh people you know there are family and people that we never connected with and i i have to deal with that and that's not something that that's not your baggage it's mine and I'll be back. You know, something like that. It, it could be a little bit more understandable instead of the, I don't want to hold you back because you wouldn't be holding them back. You'd just, you'd just be in town. Well, the other thing I'm thinking, too, is maybe the writers don't quite know what to do yet as far as Joe is concerned. I mean, Joe and Barry, we saw it in this episode as well as we had almost every episode last season. They've got a really tight relationship a good bond they have the father-son bond and joe is definitely his guiding consciousness right. in a way well and how are that. they how how are they gonna write it now because barry's obviously gonna want to try to mm-hmm. i mean anybody that's reunited with a parent like that is gonna try to mm-hmm. catch up in different things that they missed out on and that could cause a little not a problem but well you know 
an issue in the writing of the Joe Barry relationship. Well, I, maybe I, that's what they're thinking. Well, what too. I think is they would if it wasn't for the fact that they were bringing um, the other Earth One Flash into the series for a little while. I think that they would have written, they would have done a couple of episodes where Joe and his real father have to kind of coexist. Like how, you know, like they have to kind of, you know, like Joe's used to having Barry to himself, kind of, for the most part, as his only son. And now he has to deal with him having his father back. But because they got um, the other Flash is going to be a mentor, you can only have so many mentors in one show. In one hour show. So I guess I I could see that they want to get him off the table, off the page for a little while so that we could have the scenes that we need to have with the with the uh, with the new flash that's coming because he's going to to be kind of be that he's going to play that Wells part, you know, that 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 mentor with the, the person that knows how to be flash and understands the science of being a flash. He's going to be the the kind of guide Barry, and then you're always going to have Joe there to help him with cases and stuff. So like that's going to be in the episode. So I think that that's why they did it. And then I think when they when the other Flash goes away, I think that's when Joe's going to come back, like after the mid season or something like that. You mean when Henry will come back? I mean, yeah, when Henry will come back. Uh, speaking of the end of the episode and the other Flash, um, we. Uh, we you know see Team Flash together again at Star Labs, and Cisco shows off the new version of the Flash suit that has the white background. Sweet. With the uh, the um, uh, lightning bolt that we all know and love so well, and uh, they talk, he talks about how uh, they upped all the um, the security, and mm-hmm. as soon as they say the yeah, that the facility is a lot more secure, somebody just walks right up. Sure do. <laughs> You know, and they're all like tensed. In, and who are you? And he goes, "My name is Jay Garrick. Your world is in danger." And that is how they end. Yeah. The premiere of the Flash. Well, and uh, I just was looking at John Wesley Ship's IMDb, and he has filmed three movies this year, so that may also play a part into. Okay, makes sense. So, yeah, makes and sense. in one of them, he's playing the president of the United States. Hmm. What? Some movie called Golden Shoes. Oh, never, I haven't seen it. Heard of it, I mean. I haven't heard of any of these three. Golden Shoes, Sensory Perception, and The Sector. Although I find it interesting, his character in Sensory Perception is Lieutenant Thawne. Oh. <laughs> what do you guys give this season premiere? I would I'd give it uh, four point, four and a half, I would say. Those emotional, like I, like I would take off points for Adam Smasher. He wasn't really much of a a villain to fight, but it wasn't really about him fighting Adam Smasher. This was more about where the team is now, where all the characters that we, you know, where, what's happened to them and where they are as characters. And I, I liked, I liked it. I just, it was just so. Uh, those scenes are just so much, and him and Joe, and, and with him as a son when he was a boy, and and then giving him that talk after that, and and then when he was with uh, with his with his real father Henry, and and just and even uh, Stein, Professor Stein, he had quite a bit, he had quite a good amount of good scenes 
where he pretty much gelled with the group. And I like how Iris has a role to play, too. You see, this you is know, her thing. She's, she's no longer the foil. Yeah. She's like actually helping them put things together and figure things she out. She did put no. this together. She she no. she definitely was the one that kind of kicked everybody in the butt. Like, listen, you know, enough yeah. of this. You know, we, we got to get it together. Yeah, I really liked the episode. Um, I, I'm kind of reluctant to give it a grade because I'm, I want to grade it extremely high, but I also want it to have room to get better through the season, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, a solid A. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it 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 just continues to have all the greatness that we had last season. And, you know, we've mentioned it many times, but the feels, I mean, the 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 visceral reaction that it gets from the audience is, is pretty amazing for a show of this, of this genre and everything. And, um, this episode was, I mean, I was excited. I think flash was probably out of our three premieres this week was the one I was looking forward to the most and it paid off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I give it a 4.25. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, the, the only problem I really had with it was you know, the motivation behind Henry leaving. But like you said, that's a television yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than a you know, character story thing or whatever. I'm looking forward to all the Earth 2 stuff going up. Uh, we got a lot of really good uh, comments from our Facebook group. Uh, also about the Flash uh, season premiere. Uh, Chris Gardner said he was going to say something. But no, he's going to send it as an email. So you can try to beat Thomas. Well, Chris... You didn't do it. You didn't do it, buddy, because we're going to be reading Thomas's email here as soon as we're done with the Facebook comments, and you're <laughs> not there. So you got about another five, you know, five minutes of me reading to get it in there. Right. Uh, John Davis, that was a great start. The only thing that bugged me was Henry leaving. Yeah, me too, John. Yep. But I guess John Wesley's ship is not contracted for the whole season. It just seems weird that his dad would bolt. Uh, Grant Robinson from Down Under said it hasn't aired here yet. Spoilers. Sorry, Grant. It's not our fault. Australia's in a different time dimension. <laughs> Uh, all your Time Lords and stuff down there. Uh, J- uh, Tyson Jacobs, uh, watch Flash, but a great opening episode. Uh, getting the team back together didn't spend too much time on last season. Refreshing, excited for the season and to be extreme awesomeness. Also, Batman reference made me laugh. It's sad that it was just a comic book reference. Uh, Jason Foss, I honestly thought it was kind of meh. Hmm. Love seeing the cast back together, but never bought the Barry pushed them all away story because of how quickly and easily they resolved it. No drama there whatsoever. Two of their loved ones died six months earlier, and I was expecting more fallout. Got none, really. Hopefully, we'll see some more personal impact from the events of last year's finale in upcoming episodes. Yeah, I'm sure of that. I'm just glad they didn't like make that the prime crux yeah. of like a half a season or something. You know? Yeah, because this is I, not like he shouldn't do. He shouldn't react like uh, Oliver does. These are two different characters, and I'm glad they totally agree. Piggyback on that. So, also didn't really like the Adam Smasher stuff, although I really can't articulate why it just seemed weak. Uh, Derek E. Rich, why do you need to know that? Uh, I don't know, Derek. Just asking, man. I guess I don't uh, need to know. Uh, Robert Cooper, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I wish we had more of J.G., J. Garrick, that is, uh, all the way through the episode instead of what we got, but it looks exciting and fun, so I'm ready for the season. And then Joseph Gaines, uh, I liked what Wells did for Barry. I thought it was in character. Henry leaving was not very well justified. I prefer he had said he wanted to see the world after almost two de- decades of lockup. Yeah, if they'd given him more of a motivation, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, reconnect with my family or go mm-hmm. back to where I was, you know, before, or, you know, whatever. But um, we also got an email about the uh, from Thomas Blake, our, our prodigious email friend. 
uh, from the Nothing's On Show and now DCTV Podcast. So thank you so much, Thomas. And if you want to send us an email, you may do so at dctvpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. So do that. We love emails. Uh, hey, guys. This was worth the four-plus month wait. Now it makes sense why Ronnie wasn't in Legends of Tomorrow. That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, he will probably still be missing by the time the show airs, which is fine because Stein fits in with Team Flash and takes the place of Wells perfectly. Speaking of Wells, it was great his will gave Barry the proof to get his father released. Henry Allen and Joe West are the two best fathers in all of television. Uh, having the Flash go around town and rebuild the businesses that were destroyed by the Black Hole showcases why he's such a great hero. For once, Iris didn't annoy me. Uh, I like the Central City is getting a Metahuman Special Forces unit. Uh, Adam Smasher didn't look too bad. Mm. Uh, now Flash's costume is more comic accurate. Maybe next he will put it in the ring. <laughs> uh, that would be cool. Uh, the end with Zoom being mentioned and Jake Eric appearing was a great cliffhanger for next week. I can't wait to see Arrow tomorrow. Thanks for the email, Thomas. And uh, like I said, please follow me and send us emails. Yes. We love it. Uh, next, let's move on to iZombie. Yes. Season premiere, Grumpy Old Live. I got I loved. I loved the way she was in this episode. It's it was like Archie Bunker. You know, it was like just <laughs> right. a hate, hateful, racist old man. Uh-huh. You're one um, of the good ones. The, the very first scene kind of really, like, kind of, like, gut punched me, though. You know what I mean? She's in the hospital. She's, like, looking down at her, her brother, who was, you know, has had all these different transfusions and, and uh, surgeries, and she couldn't give blood to him, and she couldn't say why, and her mom is there, and he's, like, laying there dying in a hospital bed, and he tells her to get the hell out. He doesn't want to see her. I mean, kind of brutal way to start your Ain't even kind of. That was brutal. Well, was, I wanted to tell that little boy. Actually, Nobody told you to sit in a window that long. <laughs> Well, the other thing, too, is I just want to sh- wag the finger and shake it at Liv's mom and say shame on you because the only way her brother's going to know that is she told him because he was out, you know, <laughs> bloodied and beaten and everything else. Um, so the only way that he probably would have learned she didn't donate blood is his their mother told him. And I'm just thinking, what what a shitty thing to do to your kids. I mean, she asked her, her mom asked her straight up why she didn't, you know, why can't you tell And she's like, is it drugs? Is it drugs? And she's like, no, I can't tell you. You wouldn't believe me if I did tell you. And if I, you know, even if you did believe me, you would just make it worse. And her mom's trying to understand, but not really. And that's what yeah, her, her when she threw like, in that, you, yeah, when you make it worse, like almost insinuated it'd be dangerous. You would, th- I mean, but you would think if it's about blood and she's saying to you, I can't do it, and she's never been like that before. I don't know. You just, I don't. I, you just would say to yourself, you wouldn't just think that your child that you raised, who hasn't been that way before, like she hasn't, you know, been rude or or, or disrespectful child or or been a mean, you know, child. In fact, she went into medicine to help people. You would think that. There was, there had to be a, a deeper reason, and to trust it, as, as right. opposed to be. I could see her being angry about it, and being angry that she won't tell her the truth. 
but the whole thing of don't come here, don't come, you know, go away, type that type of thing. That that, I mean, I can see a parent do that because I've seen bad parents be that way. Yeah, I I just I I haven't been fond of her the her mother's that character at all, and 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 maybe that's the way they're designing it. But it's well, a good story plot. The do. mother is kind of there to remind. Well, her and and uh, and like the the viewers of the, the kind of the life that she had before she became a zombie. Right. right. You know, she was she, just oh, driven yeah. by work and like you know just totally devoted to her work and everything else. And her, that was what her mom wanted for her. Like that was right. the ideal. And she's a foil for her too. Yeah. You know, like the one that she has no idea what's going on with this whole world, and she can't tell her mother about what's going on, and and you know she constantly has to hide it and hate herself for it. Like that's the role that the mother is playing right now. Well, and yeah, and I still have to always deal with the reminding Daryl voice in my head going, (laughs) these characters can never be happy. They can never stay happy. (laughs) They can't. So uh, Liv makes some brain balls and spaghetti. I thought it looked really good. uh, uh, Daryl, I know that's your favorite meal. Got a little hungry. I was like, Daryl's probably salivating at the screen. I was. I was at work like, wow, that looked really good. It did look good. (laughs) And the dude's name was uh, Wendell Gordon Gale. He was 77. Nobody liked him. Next door neighbor is like, you know, for the past 30 years, he's been a cantankerous old son of a bitch, you know. (laughs) And uh, her and Clive are investigating, but Clive is like, you know, all Clive wants to know is, you know, about what happened at Meet Cute. But Liv keeps trying to change the subject, and then they find this guy named Byron, who uh, is like a, a friendly neighborhood uh, uh, police hotline tipster. Uh, he paints, uh, does paint by numbers of his dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, did you paint by numbers, or I uh, got him in this? Oh, so okay. <laughs> he he did give off the vibes of something. They have to come back to him uh, sometime in the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely gave off the vibes. Um, it, 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 it wasn't quite the ending to that loop that I expected though. But. No, they did put a little something to it. A little bittersweet thing. It wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, this, this is another episode, uh, that liked the flash. It wasn't about the case of the week. It just was more about everything else. Right. Yeah. Everything else around it. Exactly. Speaking of which, uh, we, we, uh, check in with Blaine. Now, now going by the name John Doe, who's running a town mortuary. Uh, so great. He has like slick back hair now, and he gets this like weird zombie sense. And he's gone legit. Yeah, he's totally gone yeah, legit. Right. And um, like we get a, there's even a close up of the hair standing up on the back of his neck. Um, but it's uh, he he still has no common sense as he's now trafficking in pure utopium, uh, while he's also trying to track down the source of the tainted utopium that caused the zombieism. And still chopping, dicing, and slicing brains for the Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't trust that he 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 gives off the douchebag vibes every time. He's entertaining to watch though. Oh yeah, great character. Great character, hate him, but great character. But you always hold your wallet and watch your back when he's when he's in a room because you never know what he's gonna do. Uh, we then find out what happened to Major. Uh, he's having a, a new life crisis. 
forced to work as a trainer. Aww. Aww. To make ends meet. Uh, he has the same kind of goosebumps feeling when he meets a new client. Boom, zombie sense activated. And, I mean, I'm thinking personal trainers, especially ones that make house calls, get quite the price tag, so he's got to be making a decent living. I would think. You would think. I feel I mean, so I, bad for him being in shape and everything. Being a really good-looking dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, because I've looked into getting a personal trainer before, and that's why I'm fat, is because I can't afford them. So. Yeah, they're no joke. I've had, I had one years ago. Um, they, they they do wonders when you get a good one. I had a good one, but uh, it, it's, it ain't cheap. Clive and Liv figure out that it's, uh, they figure out that the whole environment's alibi, and uh, it turns out the old man killed his dog. So, you know, he's the murderer. He's the dog he liked to make paper numbers of. Um, well, he thought he killed the dog. It turned out he didn't, because he found the dog in the basement after he killed the guy. We then uh, um, you just told the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought that's what Jim was just saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's also a scene at uh, Max Ranger headquarters uh, where they try to enlist uh, Major. To do their dirty work is they they prepped a robot super max rager. They're still going on with that. The drink that oh, they ate. got him. He's done. Yeah. They got him. Um, he has an assistant partner. Let's call her Red. Um, the cure for the zombie apocalypse, according to his assistant, the cure is nigh. So Major has a choice. He can kill every other zombie or allow Liv to get whacked. So uh, obviously he's you know he's choosing to keep uh, Liv alive. A uh, team rager is using a clever algorithm. Tanning and spicy food, for instance, uh, to unmask the undead <laughs> and inaugurate Major the Zombie Slayer. Uh, Red looks so stoked to be evil, she's probably mentally planning an even more satanic shade of hair dye. And a little thing for, for Liv, don't talk about committing crimes on the phone. Never on the phone. Exactly. Right. I mean, I, in that whole scene, I'm wondering, I'm like, he tapped into her line or he bugged her or... What what happened? Of course, we find out here in a minute. But I'm just like, um, stop talking on the phone about things like that. Are you dumb? Of course, part of that too is it's hard been hard for her to get Major to respond to her at all. Right. So. Um, then we end the episode with uh, Liv watching Zombie High on TV and with her new roommate. What a twist! Dun, dun, dun. The thread. Yeah. Now. Who's extremely cute by the way just oh she's hot yeah but can she be but well as vague is she really dead because she didn't look like she liked to do very much her boss no no but it doesn't matter she's a ginger she has no soul so that's well jeez and that's, that's true. Another one of Chub Toad's sweeping generalizations. Hey, hey, I don't, I, I don't make the collect rules. All, collect all sixty-four. It's a law. They do say that the ginger's have no soul. I mean, that's that is true. This one time, Hulu didn't give me scenes for next week. So did we? Did it? Either of you see scenes for next week? Does it look no. promising? No, I didn't see scenes either. No, I didn't see scenes. I, I saw it on Hulu. I didn't. I didn't right. get any. Yeah. As did I. Uh, we also got some good. Uh, well, what do you guys give iZombie this week as a season premiere this this week? I'll, I enjoy. It. I I will give it a. I'll give it a four. I'll give it. A, no, you know what? I'll give it a three point five. Not that it was bad, but um, 
some of the some of her acting old it, it came off a little bit a little too much really so, i um, love that few, i thought it was funny is... some of the, turn your hat around and show some respect yeah. Yeah, some of it was really funny he ain't behind home plate at yankee stadium <laughs> with some of it when she did the her back you know she acted like a back was hurting and it was a little oh, too much that of that great. a little bit i love that <laughs> uh, a, little, a little too much for me of that but the right, but it, it had funny scenes in it anyway. But I mean, it was just a little, maybe just a little too much for my for my liking. Yeah, I I, I give it a B plus, and I mean, I, I there were so many things I liked about it, and I loved cantankerous old get off my lawn, you pesky kids live. I I thought she was great. <laughs> he goes, it, it's iron, it's supposed to be ironic. <laughs> uh, your shirt is stupid. That's meant to be literal. <laughs> I, I loved all of that stuff. I thought it was great. Yeah, that, uh, there were plenty. There were plenty of funny scenes with her. Yeah. Uh, her insults were really funny. <laughs> the Tupac one was another one that was funny. Well, even because uh, Jim said when we start talking about it, about her Archie Bunkerness, uh, even Robbie yeah. even made that at one point. He's like, totally. all right, Bunker. Totally. <laughs> and what she says to Clive, you're, oh, you're definitely one of the good ones. She said what? She said <laughs> what? What did I I said you're one of the good ones. <laughs> Jesus, a compliment, right? Yeah. Oh, the the only problem I had with, and it's not really a problem because I I'm betting it's going to pay off in the end. But I, I I I'm not liking the direction they're taking the major character. But what I'm hoping is he's going to end up at some point becoming a double agent, so to speak. Let Liv kind of know what's going on. And then at some point he's gonna be at Liv's place and run into Red. So I don't know though. I don't know if he can do that. If he's because he seems one. He at one moment he wants to take stupid risks that last season we're all yelling at him through the screen, stop it. And then here he's he's not he's playing by this Max Rager guy's rules or so we're led to believe. So I'm hoping that that turns around somewhere in this season. Cause I, I don't like that direction. He could have his own agenda. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah that's, what I'm hoping, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that it's not exactly what we're seeing and that there is that agenda of his own. So hopefully. Yeah. I give it a four. It was uh, it was a good uh, solid premiere. Uh, it really set things up uh, for the you know the status quo as we're going into the next season, and you know the story, the procedural story didn't really um, like Daryl said that wasn't what this episode was about. It was there and it was entertaining, but the meat of the episode was more about the the overarching stories and the the, the, you know, the plot lines there. I thought rather than the oh, yeah. the procedural or whatever. So I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I I really have been impressed by this show since day one. Um, after really not knowing what to expect, you know, because it being so different from the comic or whatever, but it's been a real treat. Um, we have some uh, comments in the Facebook group, too. Uh, one from a guy named Richard Sheldon. Uh, he says, <laughs> I bet I would have loved it, but my local CW affiliate accidentally played the Flash premiere again instead of iZombie. Uh, hopefully I can get a chance to watch it on Hulu's. What's Hulu's? And I did. And he did. Oh, that's you! No. Yes. I didn't know you had a real name. I thought Chubb Toad was your legal name. I'm sorry. I'm saying. 
Uh, Jason Foss, very enjoyable. As usual, Rose McIver is a joy to watch. I agree. Um, she looks so different without the zombie makeup, too. I saw her on, like, Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Yeah, she does. She just looks like a totally different person without she that makeup. She totally does. Yeah. Not, you know, an attractive person, but just a different one. Um, I think there may have been a cutscene out of the episode of Jump from her seeing her brother in the hospital all the way to the Max Rager guy and his job offer. Uh, did Liv go in and talk to the brother? Because if it was, it was a jarring edit. Um, I'm not sure what he's referring to there. Because there was a lot, a lot of scenes. There were a lot of scenes from where she saw her brother and yeah, and other stuff. So I don't know. Um, I don't want to look at that Hulu file again or whatever. Um, also, Joseph Gaines. The show has hit a stride. A lot happened, and I enjoyed it all. It feels like the second half of season one has started. Uh, Major's new ability should prove interesting if he should become a, a zombie hunter. Yeah, he could be like Blade. You know, like the. Yeah. The daywalker of, of zombie hunters, you know? Well, it's funny. Them. It's close to... It's funny because we talk about how um, Buffy, how, how it is like Buffy-like a little bit. And yeah. they always do have... A, even though Buffy was the lead, they always had like an angel, you, you know, the character of Angel, to be there also to come in and kind of help her out sometimes when she has to uh, fight crime. So I wonder if he'll be that... He's that the guy that's outside of everything, like that kid, the one that can come in and uh, be that that extra uh, pair of hands that she needs when things get dangerous. Especially now that he has the uh, that uh, ability to sense when the uh, a zombie is near. I zombie, looking good, standing tall and proud. Yes. Let's move on to our final DC show of the evening. Mm-hmm. This is the premiere of Arrow. Or is it should be called the Green Arrow now? And it was also the premiere of Diggle's Dumbass Mask. Oof. Oh, my God. I, I will say I didn't hate it as much as I expected to from the pictures oh. we saw, but I still don't like it. I, think it I will dumb. say, though, them guns is rocking. It's yeah. Me oh, and his yeah. arms get even bigger. Yeah. I don't know, his arm, yeah, he has got a couple of tickets to the gun show there I'm for saying, sure. I'm saying, he's yeah. not playing. He, no, he, he he probably works just as hard as Amal does, you know? Yeah. Think about it. He was big before, but when he, them arms was, when he had the arms out, and he did that angry flex, I was like, wait a minute now, what's yeah. going on? Put the guns down, people. It's, uh, it, w- it was an interesting episode of Arrow. Um, we start off with, uh, we see Oliver running through the woods uh, wearing a green hoodie. And, you know, at first we're not sure what's going on. He's just like him running as fast as he can through the woods. But actually he's running into suburbia in Ivytown. Um, something I wanted to mention, Ivytown is also where um, the, the university is that Ray Palmer is, origi- is from in the comics. Yeah. Isn't that right? Right, yeah. Uh, yep, it is. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Um, so anyway, him and he and uh, Felicity for five months have been living in domestic bliss in suburbia, and, and I uh, am jealous and envious. Uh, although although Felicity can't seem to learn how to make an omelet, no, but but Oliver sure can, uh, and uh, they seem to be very happy in their suburban uh, thing or whatever. And uh, during a brunch with another couple, you know, they talk about uh, like. 
lots of suburban things. <laughs> like <laughs> wine signing tasting, up to get in school. Signing up to get in school before they had kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, he shows them uh, the ring that he's going to ask her to marry him with. Uh, his mom's uh, engagement ring, actually. Meanwhile, in Star City, we see that it's been renamed Star City in memory of uh, the quote-unquote death of Brandon Rouse, uh, Ray Palmer. There is a group of of bandits they're calling the Ghosts. They're doing, uh, uh, we find out they're hive operatives as the episode goes on. But they're robbing Cord Industries. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that because yep. they mentioned Cord Industries a lot. Yes, quite a few times. You know, Not they're, just they're one of the biggest. It, but you see it all over. <laughs> they put it in your face. Yeah. 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 yeah, definitely. I noticed that immediately. Um, uh, Thea is Red Arrow. <laughs> she and says, enjoying herself a little too much. A little too much, yeah. But, but like, very credible looking. Like I thought her fight choreography for her she size like, kind of looked like she was actually doing, you know, holding her own. Yeah. And uh, Laurel as Black Canary, who's starting, who's starting to look a little better, you know, in the she fight is. area. She is. And Daniel yeah. are are still uh, fighting the good fight on the streets of Star City. They take down some of these ghosts. They stop this eighteen wheeler in a really cool action sequence where they blow out the the back wheels of the eighteen wheeler's rig and they. They stop it, and you know, they fight them inside and outside of the truck. We see Diggle's new mask, but lo and behold, their backup is there, and it's a van with a 50 caliber machine gun hanging out of it. Yeah, so that kind of puts the damper on their, um, you know, they're uh, being stopped. So mm-hmm. um, it turns out since the, um, Oliver and Felicity left, things have been going kind of weird with these ghosts, as they've been calling them, uh, going through and stealing uh, weapons, weapon tech. Uh, they say, they mentioned, like you said, uh, Daryl, you know, Cord Industries is one of the um, leading uh, makers of, of weaponry and, and military yeah. tech. So uh, they're they're trying to amass all this uh, all this you know, explosives and all this stuff. Uh, we then get a scene of the you know the de facto leaders of uh, Star City, including Captain Lance uh, the, and and some other uh, people. They're talking about how they can't get anyone to be mayor of Star City because the mayors keep getting killed. Uh, good point. Uh, but yeah. while they're meeting, uh, this guy comes in, uh, played by Neil McDonough, who we're later introduced to as Damian Dark. Uh, he tells them that you know if they have people that they love, that they should just say goodbye to them. Because there's no more police left. There's nobody that works there anymore. There's I guess. Just, you know, he just walks right in. You just walk in. You know, because yeah. he's Damian Dark. He can do that kind yeah. of yeah. yeah. You know, he's a magic man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the song. Anyway, <laughs> he walks in and he says, you know, for things to, it's very much the Rachel Ghoul line from uh, from uh, our, our Rachel Ghoul speech from uh, Batman Begins. You know what I mean? Where he's explaining why why Gotham has to be destroyed in order right. to be to be reborn. He uh, yep. says the same thing about Star City. You know, he loves the city, but it has to be destroyed. You know, much the way you know when a body dies, it becomes you know food for flowers and plants. That's what the city is going to become. And if you love anyone, say goodbye to them. Uh, and then he leaves. Uh, during and then in the next like twenty four hour period, there are, are out of the five people in that room, two of them die. One is poisoned, another one has his throat cut on the streets. Um, Detective Lance gets attacked in the police station, just I like mean, Gotham. No, wait a minute. Didn't we mention in our episode the things we wanted to see and what we yes. wanted to see was Star City's police department getting overrun by people uh, again? Yeah, <laughs> that happened like every episode. That happened so. Again? soon like just you just walk 
They just walk in with body armor and just start shooting up all the cops. It's like, there shouldn't be any cops left. But yeah, they talk about how the city's shut down and everything, and but they still have a, a room full of cops to waste. And uh, everyone in the room gets mowed down except for Captain Lance. He puts his hands up. He's like, all right, all right, all right. And they, you know, they, they train guns on him. Um, as they're doing that, in comes the Black Canary to save his bacon and the Red Arrow. And they come in and kind of distract and fight the ghost, and they fight the ghost off. Um, but uh, Detective Lance takes a, or Captain Lance takes a shot to the shoulder. Mm-hmm. But they get out of there alive. Yeah, this is definitely where you notice Laurel is holding her own much better. This is probably the first fight scene as her with being Black Canary that I haven't rolled my eyes at some point in. She did get saved by her, her dad, though, at one point. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It just, she, it didn't seem as clunky, though. you know. Yeah, yeah it no, wasn't she, so clunky. You can tell she's been practicing her fight choreography. Right. Definitely, and then the scene later, too, with the Hive operatives, um, you see that a lot. So tonight, tonight, Oliver is about to propose, literally about to propose to Felicity when uh, Thea and Laurel show up and tell them that they need their help. Perfect timing again. Things are going down the, the, the tubes, and they need Felicity and Arrow to come in and help, even though Diggle's not going to be real happy about it. And when they get there back to the Arrow Cave or whatever uh, it is now, he's not real happy about it because he still is mad. He still is butthurt over uh, Oliver and uh, kidnapping Lila. Yeah, it's, it's it, it getting over right now. It, it's a little too much. Yeah, I can understand like for an episode or two, but yeah, I mean they're they're lifelong friends. He's definitely gonna get over it, I would think, at some point. Even Lila tells him to get over it later when he goes home to Lila and the baby. You know. Yeah, she, she says like, that if, that if, you know she says if Oliver Queen was right all the time, what would he need you for? You know, <laughs> yeah, she, exactly. She, it's funny because she she said it in a nicer way than than usually a wife would have said something like that. Like, why the hell are you mad? I'm the one that got kidnapped. Like, why are you mad like that? Right. It's time to get over it. Get well, and I kind of get it after what happened to his brother and whatnot and all that. I can see where he one he feels the betrayal, but two somebody else messed with someone. But that was part of the plan. Family. No, no, I know, but, yeah. The thing that throws me is, you know why it throws me? Because he is a soldier as well. True, true. And, and but like, he's at not least a civilian we see it, that did this. Okay. Yeah, so at least we see in the end, he, you can tell he's moving towards making peace with it. Because even though he says to, to Ollie, I'm not ready to go you know what it is? Yet. It feels he says yet. yet. He ends it with yet. Right. So but again, it feels like it feels like TV upset. Yeah, like, I, like, yeah. You know I what agree. I mean? Like they wanna they wanna have it go a little longer because they probably have something set up for the next episode to kind of work through it. Yeah, there's. I mean, they should have tension there. I I I, I can see that. Oliver comes to Erica with Felicity. Turns out Felicity has been covertly helping these guys out the whole time they're in suburbia. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, without Oliver knowing. Not surprising at all. But w- more surprising is that Oliver had no clue up until this point. That's what surprised me. You know what I mean? He thought he would have figured something out like that by now. But anyway, um, they they figure out, they isolate uh, what, what these guys are going after. They figure out that they're in this old abandoned, uh, like, uh, truck, trucking uh, facility. So, Arrow suits up, although he doesn't get in the Green Arrow garb yet. I think that's later in the episode. Yeah, that was silly. Just, I'm not going to be the Arrow long enough. I'm not going to be here long enough to need a suit. 
goes, yeah, she says that Cisco made him a special new suit. And he's like, uh, I'm not going to be here long enough to wear a suit. Like, Shut up. You're going to put the suit on. You know damn well you are. Come on. Uh, they they uh, go to this, uh, the parking, the, uh, the trucking facility, and Damien Dark is there giving a speech to his hive members. Uh-huh. Uh, and and one of them has messed up. And one of them, you know, the the leader of the group who got stopped by Diggle and company. He, you know, he tells him, "Well, allow me to show you something." And he puts his hand on his heart and kind of like draws his life force out of him. Something like it that. looked very much like uh, you know Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> Holly Ma. Holly Ma type thing. Holly yeah. Ma. But uh, without the actual heart coming out. And uh, it kills him. And as they see this, uh, they're all uh, Diggle and uh, and Oliver and company are kind of freaking out, like, "Whoa, they what sure the hell?" Did. Like, what the WTF? Yeah. yeah. So they go into they they go into high attack these hive guys. Dark disappears almost immediately. Uh, they fight these hive guys. Thea is a little too into it, as Oliver notices. Thea yes. is like a little bloodthirsty. And I remember we were talking about if there were going to be any after effects of her coming out of the Lazarus pit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm thinking we might be starting to see some of those. Um, they fight off the hive guys. The one hive guy, you know, um, tells you know, uh, tips them off that they're they want to do something with it. They're going to blow up the train, right? Uh, the new train between from Central City to Star City that's supposed to be inaugurated like the night after or whatever. So they go to the train station. They do a bomb sweep. Uh, we get the you know a, a talk between Oliver and Diggle about Diggle explaining to Oliver why he doesn't trust him and why he's still mad. Um, Oliver talks to Thea about her bloodlust. We get a few character moments here and there, but they do not find any any explosives. And then finally, when they get back to the Arrow Cave after deducing and deducing again, realize that the explosive coming in on the train itself. Uh, which comes to this great scene where it's, uh, Diggle driving the van next to the mm-hmm. train, trying to get it fast yeah. enough for Oliver to jump from one to the other. Oliver gets on the train, uh, fights his way to a car full of explosives with Damien Dark. Pretty cool. Damien Dark is just standing there in front of him. Damien Dark introduces himself. And then they fight. Dark Jedi, like. Well, at first he shoots an arrow at him, and he just stops the arrow in midair. Not even just an arrow. He shot a bunch of arrows at him. Right, and then he shoots one, then he shoots three. Yeah. Stops all three of them and shoots him back. And, mm-hmm. and Oliver and Oliver deflects him. He goes hand to hand with Dark. Dark serves him his ass. He sure he does. Says, uh, "Is that all you've got?" And then uh, Arrow keeps after him, you know, shooting after a while. And he is about to do the Kali Ma thing on Arrow when Diggle comes in and saves the day by shooting him in the yep. shoulder blade and, and and dropping him. And by the time you know Arrow recovers and Diggle gets to Arrow, Dark has disappeared. I do like uh, Diggle's uh, gun foo now that he's yes, doing. Yes, I do too. Very John Woo. Very yes. much yeah. so, yes. Very John Woo influence. Let's see. I think after that is when uh, they uh, they get off the train and Oliver uh, shoots an explosive arrow and blows up the train before it gets into the city. It sure does. Uh, and they get back to the arrow cave and uh, you know, Oliver's like, I understand Diggle, but there's one thing you have to help me do. He is, he's wearing the, the new uh, costume that Cisco's made for him, and he did, goes out on the airwaves and tells the people of Star City that he is, um, you know, the arrow is dead. We all know that, but I'm going to carry on his fight. Um, I, I, you know, I believe that could be, you know, like the arrow was, I could be a beacon of hope in, in, in the city, and the city is worth fighting for. I am the green arrow. 
Yes. And when he yeah, said that, I got a little chill on my geeky parts. So I was like, yes, this is same Green here. Arrow. <laughs> same here. I, I will admit it. I'll admit it. You know, I, I, I would, did. I, it was great. I just love that. I would also like to see him get more of the Fu Manchu uh, goatee going on like like Green Arrow has in the comics. And I think it, it just would be a perfect look. Yeah, I think down the road they could totally go with that look. Uh, we then get to see with Damian Dark. He cuts himself on his wrist and bleeds into a bowl in front of a statue that he has, you know, sequestered away in his, like, dojo or whatever, and then starts chanting something, and these runes appear on his arm and then disappear, and then so does the bleeding. And uh, as he's doing all this, uh, in walks Captain Lance. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of had... That was a jaw-dropping moment. How about why? <laughs> exactly, because I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming at all. And uh, evidently, Captain Lance has made a deal with the Dark uh, to save his skin or save his city. I mean, Are you thinking that this is after he almost got shot, when he got shot? Yes, I think when they held him at gunpoint, he was like, look, either, either work with me or be destroyed. That was basically what okay. I think happened. I was thinking that too, or it could be the reason they didn't shoot him was because he's working with him. Right. So I, yeah, because I mean, watching it just before we got on to record, I didn't have time to go back and look at certain scenes, but I, I kind of remember a look on Lance's face when he walked into that little meeting of the city leadership that, I don't know when, when, when he's telling, uh, the, one lady, you know, hold on, sit down, you know, it just, I was like, why is he, cause he's usually the one that gets all, you know, hot under the collar and wants mm-hmm. to know what's going on and all that. And I was like, this is very uncharacteristic. And I still didn't see that coming until he walked into the room in this yeah. scene Jim's talking about. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty insane. So yeah, I was only Lance has made a deal with dark and, uh, and either you know, to basically to save his, his skin or whatever. And then we get the final final scene, which says six months later, it flashes six months into the future. We see Oliver and Barry wearing dark suits standing in front of a grave. Who do you think it is? Well, first of all, you know they they talk about it and. Uh, and Oliver's like, I, you know, I did. I used to think this was my fault, but now I know better. I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. I will right. kill him. And Barry doesn't say a word to him. You know, Barry's no. just like, can I do anything? And he's like, I need to be alone now. And then Barry leaves, and Arrow like almost buckles and starts to cry and hold on to well, the tombstone. But we don't see who's written on the tombstone. I think a, the implication is we're supposed to think it's it's Felicity, of course. Right. Well, but yeah. Who I really think it is, I think it's it's Lance. I think it's her father mm. who gets killed. I think it's either Lance or it's um, Lila. Which is Lila? Mm-hmm. Diggle's wife. Yes, those are two I was thinking. I don't want her. To, I, want, I want that baby to be. I don't okay. want her to die though. That I, baby, baby. I don't think Lance. it's Diggle's wife because. He, you would think Diggle may have been there in that. Yeah, scene. Yeah, but we only got we only got that well, one scene. Like as the as the progresses, as you know, as the series progresses, there'll probably be some more clues about jumping the six months ahead. 
but so far we only got him standing there for a little bit of time. Like we, I, al- I also like that they hinted at uh, Barry dealing with Zoom for the past six months. So, so right, Barry said that he's sorry he couldn't make the funeral, and having Dick, having Barry be there kind of makes you think it's Felicity more. Because, you know, Barry was good friends with her as well. Well, yeah. To kind of put you in that mood. I mean, to kind of make us think that that's who it is. But I, I, I know it's not her. It's more than likely it's... Uh, really it's quick, really quickly, Guggenheim, when asked about this, mm-hmm. said it's not a fake out. He's, he's keeping mum on whether the producers know who is in the cemetery plot or not. and whether, But he or she will stay that way. Despite the existence of the uh, the, the Lazarus Pit, uh, quote, we want to bring stakes back to the show, and so we'll be finding a way to handle the Lazarus Pit in a new inventive way that I can't reveal, but it'll be cool. Hmm. So, interesting. In the flashback sequences of this episode of Arrow, uh, Arrow is like working as a vigilante in Coast City, okay, Green Lantern yep. territory. And there's, if you look really closely at the beginning of the one scene where they're in the bar before uh, Amanda Waller drugs him. Great Easter egg. There's a flight jacket that says Jordan. Yep. Hanging there at the bar. Yeah, totally totally noticeable as as the camera pans by. Uh, Basically, uh, Waller finds him, like, uh, doing the vigilante stuff in Coast City, drugs him, and uh, he wakes up on an airplane, kicked off with a parachute and and landing on Lang Yu, the, uh, the island, of course. Uh, yeah, we knew that was coming. He yeah, was going back to the island. Uh-huh. Back to Fantasy Island. And thus ends Arrow, season four premiere. I'm going to go first this time with the ratings, since I never do. Sure. Uh, yeah. I give this a solid four. This was a good, in- this is a good intro, good setup for this new season. Um, uh, I don't know. It was a cool contrast seeing them in suburbia at the very beginning. It reminded me of the beginning of that one Resident Evil movie. Where Alice wakes up and she's in suburbia, and it just looks so creepy and weird because you're not used to seeing her and or them in that context. Um, it was interesting that Diggle did not mention that he knew about Hive to Oliver. He kept that to himself. No, yeah, you know, yeah. he knew that Hive was yeah. involved with his brother's murder because he got that info from Deadshot. We see that in the it flashback. It makes sense though. Yeah, Why? it does. Well, because he's still untrustworthy, it doesn't quite trust Oliver, you know. Right. So. But anyway, yeah, solid four out of five for me on this episode. I really enjoyed it, and it set a good. Um, I, I love uh, uh, McDonough as uh, as Damian Dark. He was great. Yeah, I I I like him as an actor. Period. I think he's great, and I love yeah, the, the Dark character. I I I I think to me this was the best season opener of all four seasons of Arrow. Um, I think that it's set up really good promise for the rest of the season. And it, it, it seems like and we talked about it last season and, and, you know, that they, that because of the six success of the flash, you know, they kind of weren't, were unsure of where to go with arrow and, or it's at least it's, that was our perception. And, uh, I think they, they have a good, clear vision this season. And, uh, I, I enjoyed the Easter eggs of the Jordan thing. I, I got that. That was another tingly in the geek parts moment. And uh, I don't know, just a very good episode. And I, you know, I give it a minus. 
I'll give it a 3.5 as well. Like the other one, I, I, it was it was good. It was a solid episode so far. Um, little things that I could, you kind of knew was going to happen happened. I mean, the I think the Diggle, the forced anger from Diggle was a little too long with that. Um, I'm tired of the, the police getting overrun. I get it, but you know, like it's happened so many times, it's getting to the point where it's less effective in, in showing how uh, troubled the city is. It's just, it, it, we need to find new ways to, to do that, because it's becoming a, a common trope on the show now. Yeah. But uh, but it's in a good direction. I mean, it's gone in the right direction, though. I mean, I, I love the Easter eggs. I like, I like, uh, I like where it's going. This Damien dude, dark guy, is, uh, he's Dark Vader. This dude is freaking Dark Vader. <laughs> right yeah. So uh, it's fun to see that because they don't know how to deal. This is magic. They don't know how to deal with magic, and that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, usually they are naturally trained martial artists or whatever, but they really haven't had any meta humans of their own to deal with, per mm-hmm. se. Other than like, and it's not even science. Them. This is this is magic. Not even science. Yeah. So uh, no one can like they can't even call uh, Barry to help with this or Cisco. Well, I did like though, I liked the way they use Barry in this. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, as a matter of pride, Oliver wouldn't call Barry for his help on anything yeah. really usually, yeah. but like in this, it wasn't even him as the flash. It was him as the character of Barry Allen, you know, help and reacting with him to a character's death, whoever that character may be. And I thought it was, and plus, you know, having the train be from star city to central city, kind of tying the two together. You know, little little things like that in the background continuity that are working really well for that that show. Plus, I don't know if, about you guys. But I, I watched Arrow as it was broadcast, and I saw two or three different promos for Supergirl. So I did too. <laughs> well, I fast forwarded through commercials and saw them. Yeah. Well, you missed promos <laughs> for Supergirl then. Oh, uh, we have a few DC news related tidbits, and then we're going to close the door on this one because. Mm-hmm. We've been covering a lot of TV and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, HBO is in preliminary discussions to adapt Watchmen into a TV series. I'd be with it. I I, I want to see it, but I'm I, I I'm reluctant to see it as an ongoing series unless they're gonna. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I, I just. It's such a well-contained story in that graphic novel that I'm like, does this lend itself to a series? Maybe like a one-season series or something? I don't know. I would like to see a 12-episode miniseries with each episode corresponding to an uh, issue of the comic. Just adapt one issue per one episode. Maybe have each episode be an hour, hour and a half, so they can go as deep as the comic goes and put it in someone's hands who's going to make a... Watchmen as a as a superhero TV show, as much a statement on those as the comic was on comics. That's what I'd like to see. I don't know what HBO will end up doing. Yeah, no, and I agree with you on that. And what would be cool though, if they want to continue the, if it's successful and they want to continue that success, is then maybe after that do a prequel miniseries and go back to when they were first formed. You know, everything we saw in the opening title sequence of the Watchmen movie. 
Or even, you know, use um, Darwin Cook's Minutemen from before Watchmen. Um, yes. Yeah. Spin-offs, yeah. that'd be really good. Or do a Rorschach based on the Lee Bermeo and Brian Azzarello Rorschach, which was really good. You know, or even the, yeah. even that Amanda Connor um, Silk Spectre was a really good prequel. So, I mean, I don't know. There's, there is stuff there to do, but I would just, being a, a, a literal, like, a, I've been a fan of that book ever since it first came out. I remember buying the issues off the stand as they came out in 86. And um, as a fan, that's what I would like to see. And that's what I was saying for years when they said they were going to make it into a feature-length movie. I'm like, oh, no, because they're going to have to cut a whole bunch of it out because it's so dense, you know. With with a twelve with a twelve episode series like that, you know, maybe each episode would be about an hour long. They could easily let those stories breathe and really connect the way they do in the book. So. Yeah. Well, and do do you with a series like that bring in all the and I'm suddenly drawing a blank, but the whole comic that the kids reading at the newsstand. Of the sure. Ship- yeah. How about as an animated sequence in, in inside, you know, in the live action movie like they did in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, there's an interesting story about why there are pirate comics on that, but we've already run too long. I'll tell you some other time, or maybe I'll tell you after we're done recording. Uh, El Rey Network has acquired Constantine, but wait a minute, back it up. <laughs> they're not acquiring new episodes of Constantine. They're just going to show the 13 episodes that we already saw of Constantine. So if you have El Rey, you can check that out. They're also going to be picking up the Human Target. Uh, series that was based on the DC comic. Oh, I love that series. They're going to be running that as well. Um, we saw an unboxing this week of a brand new version of the animated, Batman animated series Batmobile. Greatness. It will be mine. That's available on the on the Facebook site if you want to watch a video of that unboxing. It's pretty sweet. And then we also found out that Lex Luthor is played by Jesse Eisenberg in Batman vs. Superman is now rumored to be Lex Luthor Jr. Did you guys read about this? I I saw the headline. I didn't get a chance to read the article. Basically, what they're saying is that the, the actual Lex Luthor is uh, being played by a yet-to-be-named actor, and that Joseph... They're Luthor. doing a good promo, too, with the New York Comic Con. Uh, there's something with uh, Lex offering free Wi-Fi. Right, New York Comic Con LexCore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was that headline we were talking about. I, I, I saw this in or something else, but apparently either this month or next month's issue of Forbes magazine is doing a expose on Lex Luthor like he was a yeah. real living rich guy in the real world. So that that's interesting. Well, yeah, if you're yeah, at New York Comic Con this weekend and you need free Wi-Fi, LexCorp is providing it. So. Yeah, yeah. And they did that kind of report. Of uh, that they're going to do the little expose, they stuff like that was similar to what they did with Tony Stark when he was coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when he was coming out like they treated it like he was really a a rich uh, businessman. Right, did all his magazine covers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, in the piece is written here that says pretty much that uh, uh, Lex Luthor's son took over the father's company. Uh, when uh, he unexpectedly passed away and then turned into a tech giant. Uh, Lex Luthor Sr. is supposed to be indomitable, vicious, and a lover of strange meteorite crystals. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. See, I, I when they cast Eisenberg, I figured they were going... I mean, he played Zuckerberg in the, the social network. I figured they were going for someone like, you know, young, rich, startup guy. You know what I mean? Like Elon Musk right. or yeah. that kind of thing. So... 
it's interesting to see that it's a different uh, different direction. And that's pretty much all I've got for DC TV news, unless you guys have anything to add. No. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that isn't. There is one what? big thing. Uh, Cartoon Network uh, announced that in 2016, oh, there will be a new, brand new Justice League cartoon. Please don't let it be three. They haven't mentioned who is directing, producing, designing, or please anything like let that. It be, please let it be, um, you know who I want. Bruce Tim. Yes. And they won't. They won't go back to the Timverse. They'll do something different. They'll probably Please. do something that looks more in line with the uh, with the, um, the the comics now. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they could make it the comics since they Bruce Timm's been playing with the uh, doing different universe takes on on the characters. Maybe yeah, that's true. Do it. I mean, you might as well do it big. They've already tried the three D look to it with Green Lantern, and guess what? It it didn't get the rating mm-hmm. so they did that with Batman if so it didn't get the ratings like what is the only thing that got ratings you know that did well for them was the last thing they did was with which was the uh, the Bruce Tim uh, you know well, these characters, yeah, I mean, the, um, I mean stuff like Ben 10 has really done well for them and I mean, they've kind of moved away I mean, they were doing really well with the DC characters, and they kind of moved away from them. It'd be nice to move mm-hmm. back. I mean, right now they only have like what Teen Titans Go, I think, is the only yeah um, DC yeah. cartoon really that there is. Um, oh, and the the Batman and uh, um, the new Batman cartoon that we reviewed a few episodes ago. Yeah, but they yeah, pushed cartoon... twice that 3D stuff, and then they pushed the manga ver- like version of Batman. The younger manga-like version. Right, and they it, had the, uh, it, what is it, Beware the Batman, which was the yeah. CGI one that you're referring to. And and it yeah, didn't, I and liked, they had I, toys. I liked the manga, the the look of that. It just was not, it just wasn't good storytelling. It, I thought it looked good. What you were talking about, that Green Lantern, though, is, yeah, I mean, I even had a hard time watching it, and I, and I watched that series um, but it just looked bad, but they did have some good stories. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of having the right look with the right stories put together. Well, I wonder how well this last Bruce Tim animated thing did for them. I don't know. The Gods and Monsters? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, seemed, to have gotten, it seemed to have gotten... It seems that it's gotten a lot of uh, uh, notice. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes. just, there was a lot of uh, um, press around it and stuff. Um, the the tip-off that, that gave away that there was going to be a new Justice League uh, JLA um, series was a poster, oddly enough, hanging in the Warner Brothers uh, anima- animation studios. Mm-hmm. And there are some silhouettes Um here of of what some of the character designs they don't look I guess they don't look too far off from in the Timverse stuff but I think they'll probably go with more of the new character models you know what I mean like the right. Superman great, with no but, trunks and the, the Batman or the Flash I, with all the piping and you know what I mean like the Jim Lee redesigns that we got I'd be cool I'd be it'd be fine with that even though I I think when Superman comes back he might have trunks again I don't know like right now he's out of costume. Right now he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt, right? Right, right. He's his power. Yeah. He's depowered. But I mean, it's leading up to. I mean, eventually, I I don't see them not leading up to a like a 
a, a new, you know, like he has the suit back on and, and he has his powers back and everything is, you know, back to uh, the way it was. It'd be something if, because I wonder, because no one really took to the suit and the suit is kind of hard to draw when you right. have different artists on it. Unless so you're I, Jim Lee. Unless you're Jim Lee, but you're not going to be drawing right. Superman. Jim Lee's you don't have time. Right. Well, that's so, Jim Lee takes forever to draw his stuff, and books are constantly late. So, yeah, so I, it'd be something that uh, I, I'm in the back of my mind. I wonder if they would take the opportunity to win, you know, because it was armor. But if they get away from the armor, and when they come back, he comes back as Superman with the suit, and not the armor. And kind of go closer to when the movie starts, you know, like uh, when the movie relaunches. If they kind of, you know, do a little relaunch with Superman as well, I'd, I'd be curious to see if they do that. Because the way that they've been drawing the, I mean, we're getting comic booky for people. People don't even know what we're talking about. But the way that they've been, uh, the Jeff Johns version of Superman has been looking a lot more like the. Uh, the classic Superman, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the new design Superman, the way that he's, you know, so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, and they're doing a whole thing with Apocalypse and and uh, that whole shebang, and if they, if if what comes out of that Dark Side War is kind of like a back to basics type of thing, where Batman is back and Superman is back and all that, you know. On the woman's back, in her suit, it would. I'd be yeah. curious to see. Also, another bit of good news that spun out of this is that the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited cartoons will be available on Blu-ray finally. It took so long. Though. I don't either. I mean, they, they stopped making them in 2006. Mm-hmm. So I've got the box set of DVDs. Actually, the tin of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And it is very, very sweet. So I'm wondering what kind of steelbook thing they're going to come out with. Well, it's still hard because the the, the, the people are buying less and less of any DVD right. Like So that's a... It's a thing. It's still... Um, there still has been no decision on what's the winning. Like, there is no... Well, I think the people that do buy the Blu-ray editions are most things that are like the collector's editions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like steelbooks. They like, you know... The the, the the nice presentation of having the physical object rather than just buying it digitally. Yeah, but yeah. Well, they're getting away from the extras and they're getting away... Like, if they do do it, you know, they um, only do it for certain things, but they're starting really to get away from stuff like that. Because people yeah. are buying so they Well, and that, that's, I, that is the one... One of the things that I'm still hanging on to physical copies, um, you know, I've gone pretty much, for the most part, 98% digital on comics, 100% digital on music. Movies are just, that's just still the thing. I'm buying less of them now than I used to, but, you know, I I still, like, you know, someone said to me, why don't you, why didn't you download off iTunes to the Ultron movie or whatever ahead of time or, and all that and I'm just like because I wanted the physical one you know and they're like why not change it but because I already have started with a physical collection of the Marvel Universe movies I I, I have to complete that <laughs> mm. uh, I'm a completionist 
But anyway, they'll finally be coming out on Blu-ray. So thank goodness. Yes. I mean, those one of my favorite cartoons of all time. If it weren't, it's if it weren't for Batman the animated series, Superman the animated series, and the Justice League series, I would not have gotten back into comics. When I did, because I was just done with comics at that point. But they they kind of reminded me why I love those characters so much, and they brought me right back. So there you go. Okay, well that does it. That just about puts the nail in the coffin of another episode of DC TV podcast. All right. Uh, Does that you. coffin have a release top so you can do the hand up out of the grave trope? Let's not make this any longer than it has to be. We've already gone over two hours. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Um, if you uh, like Geeky Podcasts, I imagine you do because you've been listening to this one, like I said, for over two hours now. But we did cover all four shows and uh, we did a great job, I thought. Pat ourselves in the back, yes. really. Anyway, um, we. Uh, have a lot of other great content at hhwlod.com, including one of the best uh, podcasts on the internet, The Black Box, uh, by yes. my good friend and, 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 and benefactor, Mr. Sean Pryor. Uh, he just came out with a new episode with him and Jillian Lytle and a bunch of others talking about the new Dr. Dre album, Compton, which is a pretty awesome album if you haven't heard it, and the uh, Straight Out of Compton um, movie which was also awesome. I finally got to see it this week, actually. Um, check that out. There's also the uh, the uh, um, the Walking Dead TV podcast. We cover the Walking Dead TV show, which is coming back this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Inside the real one, not Fear of the Walking Dead, which we had pretty strong opinions about, too. But uh, <clears throat> check that out as well. Uh, the Whedonverse, which is covering all of Joss Whedon's works uh, chronologically, and they're working their way through Buffy and Angel as we speak. And uh, all kinds of good podcasts and stuff there. And once you've exhausted all of those podcasting podsibilities, podsibilities, then hop on over. Yeah, pretty cool. I have to remember that for our next marketing strategy meeting. Uh, pass, uh, pass your uh, internet browser on over to taylornetworkofpodcasts.com, where you will find the mogul himself, Daryl Taylor. Yes. And all of his shows. Yeah, so you can go to just Taylor Net. You can go to TaylorNetworkOfPodcasts dot com, and you can uh, check out a whole bunch of uh, podcasts, whether it's comic, movies, TV, and the whole thing. And soon available will be your Daryl T- Taylor action figures. You can get those with action snuggie. Yes, and bullet comes spaghetti. with its own plate of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. and a kung fu grip. Yeah, grip on the spaghetti so no one takes it away. That's right. So until next week when we have another new episode of Gotham, Flash, iZombie, and Arrow to talk about once again. We are Ghost. Not the Ghost and the Arrow this week. <laughs> Different kind. We're the yeah, friendly yeah. Ghost. Yeah, yeah. Not that people that shoot everybody. <laughs>